Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey gang, welcome to episode 119 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. So uh, episode 119 is here and uh, through our many, many nanoseconds of show prep, you're probably wondering what the heck we're going to talk about. This is an odd episode, so this is yours. So this is generally where you lead occasionally I throw a random thing out like the text or email you sent about asking what the ideal schedule is for an employee, but I have no idea where you're going. Well, first of all, let me say, uh, I hope you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving last week. We did. It's, it's not often that we get together. Yeah. We, uh, we had an amazing feast. I mean, words can't even describe how good the feast was that we had. I just, I'll just say that. And, and we had a couple of road trips too, uh, over the past few weeks. Yeah. I saw, uh, you went to some, uh, Pennsylvania football game. I saw. Yeah. And you know what, um, shout out to the good people of happy Valley and the students of Penn state. I was, if I'm being completely honest, when we went to the Penn state game, I was a little worried because the whole sign stealing thing was, was very prevalent and uh and coach harbaugh got asked to not coach for the last games and i i thought we were going to go uh literally into the lion's den but i would tell you what if i was doing a google review i would give happy valley five out of five stars highly recommend i would say we had at least 15 people walk up to us and make no mistake about it we were dressed in maize and blue from head to toe and we had at least 15 people walk up to us before, during, and after the game that said, hey, thanks so much for coming. And they were sincere. And, you know, I would say that 95% of the students uh, made good choices and smiled and were cordial. We walked around campus and people gave us directions. And again, we were in our maize and blue. So, um, you know, there were a couple of standout students that that had some choice words for us. but. I only remember like two or three incidents of that happening and the game was great. And then, um, and then the following week we had so much fun in Penn state that we went to Maryland to watch that game. So uh, yeah. And, and the Maryland was um, uh, the 1000th win for the Michigan program. That's a slightly big deal. You know, it's kind of cool to be there for that. So anyway, Drew. Yes, Sam. Here's what I want to talk about. I had the uh, experience over the last couple of weeks of being in some stores and I saw some things operationally that made me scratch my head. And as I was seeing these things, my initial thought was, you know, take pictures, let the supervisor know, let the franchisee know, and maybe they can wrap their head around it. But I opted not to do that. And this is the reason why a picture doesn't tell you the whole story. And a picture doesn't get you to the root cause of the behavior. And if you don't get to the root cause of the behavior and why the decisions are being made, you can't change the behavior. You can simply punish the outcomes. And I don't think that's how we should develop leaders. So I want to talk today about the importance 
of finding the root causes for behaviors and the root causes for performance gaps. What do you think about that? That is a fascinating topic. <laughs> I generally enjoy getting to the root cause of things and finding performance gaps. All right. So let me, let me set the table for you uh, on the performance gap I saw. And what I'd like to do is uh, after I set the table, let's jump into a role play where I'll play the part of the general manager and you play the part of a really good supervisor who's trying to truly change behaviors and find out what makes their people tick. Does that sound good? All right. So I walk into a pizza store. This particular pizza store uh, closes at midnight and it's 7.45 p.m. And at 7.45 p.m., this particular pizza store, like many pizza stores around the country, has got two six-foot make lines. First of all, I love the two make lines set up. Redundancy, the chance of both of them going down at the same time. You're always going to have refrigeration, 12 feet of make line. I mean, there's just so many good things about that setup. I really love it. Can I interrupt for a second? Please do. You know, that's why... um... The ovens for years had two belts, right? It wasn't a volume thing. It was a redundancy thing that if you only had one and it broke, you wouldn't be able to be open. So you had two belts on your oven. Yeah. And, you know, as my short stint as an oven person, that's why I told people always buy triples was for redundancy. I mean, it's not a matter of if that oven's going to break. It's a matter of when. And it seems like ovens must have some sort of atomic internal clock. And they think to themselves, it's Friday night. We're going into the dinner rush. This would be a good time for me to break. But it's amazing that we had we had those ovens for what, 20, 20 plus years, right? The Baker's Prides were 95, 96 before the others started to come in heavy. Actually, it was before that. I mean, the first Middleby Marshall 360 went in in the early 80s. Right. But I'm saying I'm saying that the Baker's Prides were still allowed till till mid 90s. They weren't standardized out till till somewhere around there. Well, I was an evaluator from 2000 to 2006 and they were still in the standards and I still had stores that I evaluated that had them. And, um, you know, I haven't looked at the oven standards in quite some time, but. But my, my point is that that 20 ish years of, hey, you should have redundancy in your ovens. And it's not till the last like four years or somebody's like, hey, we should probably have redundancy in our make lines. And I'm wondering when the person is going to realize that, hey, maybe we should have redundancy in our walk-in cooler. Yeah. And, you know, there's some franchisees that are building stores with two and three coolers. And I think that's more about volume than redundancy. But, oh, my goodness, the redundancy is nice. And, and here we go down rabbit holes again. When I was in Salt Lake City, I was at the 7-Eleven store uh, on airport. And our cooler went down. And um, that store shares space with a 7-Eleven. So we. We moved all the dough to the 7-Eleven cooler. It's 7.45. I walk into the store. Two six-foot make lines. I'm just going to jump out of that rabbit hole. I noticed that one of the make lines is completely broken down. And the second make line is in the process of being broken down. And again, just so we're clear, and I set the table very nicely, 7.45 p.m. store closes at midnight. By the time I left, which was probably 9.15, I would say the entire first make line was also broken down. So, um, scene. Hey, before we get into the role play, there's so much going on in my head here. Right? And me too. 
I didn't set the scene very well for you. I was going to ask, how busy are we at this moment? So I would say that in the hour and a half that I was there, I probably saw, and I wasn't paying close attention, but I probably saw six, seven orders. I would say an order was trickling in every 10 minutes or so. But here's the part of the story that I think you really need uh, to, to, to head down the road of finding the root causes. The person running the store has only been back with the brand for a short amount of time after a pretty long hiatus. And prior to the hiatus, this person was an opening manager and had never closed the store. And upon coming back, the needs of the business were that of a closing manager. So the person in charge had closed once or twice with the manager, and that was the extent of their training. I don't necessarily know if I want to role play this, but we could just go through some whys. Yeah, let's just, let's, yeah, you be in charge. I've set the table. You ask me whatever you like, and let's go from there. And, and my goal of this episode would be for leaders, uh, whether it be a general manager or a multi-unit supervisor or a franchisee to come into a situation similar to this and leave with both parties feeling better about a behavior change. I would like to clarify that firing them on the spot, writing them up, sending them home, disciplining them doesn't achieve this goal. Well, I would, I would go a step further, Drew, and I would say it doesn't achieve anything. Well, actually, I'm wrong. It does achieve something. Oh, yeah, yeah. You feel you feel vindicated for a hot minute because. And it also achieves something on the team member side. It, it achieves a sense of they don't care. They don't understand. And they're a jerk. All right. So uh, one of the first questions I would ask is, hey, Sam, welcome back. Good to see you back again after a little hiatus. Can you help me out? I know it's been a while since you've been here. How many times have you closed? Since you've been back, uh, this is my fifth closing shift. Fabulous. And uh, how many of them were with the store manager? The store manager helped me out with one close, just one. Great. Did they introduce you to our closing checklist? Um, they mentioned it. I never really saw it, but they definitely told me that I had to be out within 45 minutes of close. They, they made that pretty clear. Something about their labor or SPLH or, or something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. You know, I'm really happy they got that across to you because that's part of what the checklist sets us up to do is get you out on time because we don't want you here any longer than you have to be. So when is it that we close again tonight? I got a bunch of stores and I can't remember all the time. Uh, this one closes at midnight. Midnight. Cool. And what time is it right now? It is 7.15. Cool. And it's not Sunday night, so we don't ask you to do a full close on a Wednesday night. No, 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 there's no full count tonight. I've got to count, I think, 15 items in the inventory. Fabulous. So let's go back and let's pull the checklist and go over the checklist because I want to show you a couple things so that we're all doing the same stuff and the customers are getting the same product all the time. Are you up to that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure what closing has to do with the customers getting product, but... But but you go ahead. Because we're not closed yet, Sam. We'll close in like four hours and then we can stop giving them product. But we want to pre-close now. So I totally get it. Oh, yeah. We're definitely pre-closing. We are all about pre-closing. 
yeah, we're we're maybe taking the pre-closing a couple steps too far. So let's let's go through the checklist and see if we can get this to a place that's um well following standards, Sam. Following standard. Hmm. Tell me more about that. What do you mean following standards? In your make line right now at 745. You have everything in the make line, in the walk-in cabinet, correct? Um, no, it's it's right here where the catch trays usually are. Yeah, I mean you can it's uh, it's just in a dough tray and then I've got it in these Oh sorry, scene setter. I, I mistook what was breaking down my apologies. Okay. You know what the scene setter didn't do a great job if I'm being totally honest. I'm gonna shoulder the responsibility for not letting you know that the food was not under refrigeration and simply in a dough tray in the catch pan area. I thought it was at least in the in the walk-in cabinet. So we return to the scene where Drew, our area supervisor, is now trying to get Sam, our new closer, up to speed on these things he calls the standards. All right, Sam, we serve product to customers. We're open for four more hours, and I get it. We're not going to be terribly busy. We're only going to do like five or six hundred more dollars. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be super slow, dude. Do you know what the standard is for our product that's in use? As far as what temperature it has to be, uh, you know, the OA guy told me it had to be something like thirty-five to forty-one, or so. I don't remember the numbers, but somewhere in that range. That's cool. For it to be that temperature, it has to be under refrigeration. Is the current food under refrigeration? Well, I mean, those catch trays you always taught me were refrigerated, so um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, stuff doesn't feel hot. Nope. They won't feel hot. So let's grab a stem thermometer and see what the temp is. Oh, look, it's 44 degrees. Luckily, we don't have to throw it away yet. We have to throw it away at 45. So how can we get this colder so we don't have to throw all this food away? I could put it in the walk-in or I could put it down below in the cabinet. You could. We could also put it in the rail. If we put it in the walk-in, it's going to take a very long time for you to make customers pizzas and it's going to make you frustrated. If we put it in the cabinet, you're just going to get the cabinet more and more dirty. I think you're trying to clean this, right? And you want to get out on time. Yeah. And, you know, we got those dishes. Oh, you know how drivers love dishes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But since we do carryover now, we have fewer dishes than we've had before. We just have a couple pans at the end of the night. We do what? Let's put our food under refrigeration and then let's find our checklist and let's go down the checklist. The checklist explains what we can do when so that we can get out on time follow standards, and still service the customers that call. All these things sound like good ideas. Plus, it gets us out at 45 minutes or sooner if we're a little slower. Love it. Okay. So um, what I think I hear you saying is you want me to put the food back in the make line. Let's put the food back in the make line rail to start. Okay, cool. Done. Check. Fabulous. Now let's get the grates and the catch trays back so that we can actually make a pizza. Okay. 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 They might get dirty, but the driver's can clean them in like 90 seconds you'll be okay 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 all right make lines back together the food's under refrigeration i found the checklist under a stack of papers in the back you're worried about getting out on time what's what's the roadblocks and the obstacles for you getting out on time besides the fact that we've been sitting here for like 15 minutes and the phone hasn't rang and the internet hasn't beeped but that's fine <laughs> cleaning the store Cleaning the store. I mean, have you cleaned one of these make lines? I have. We have two. They take forever to clean. I mean, forever's a long time. They probably do take 10 or 15 minutes if you do it right. And if it hasn't been done in a while, it could take that long. 
This one's a pretty clean make line. The gaskets are good and clean. The inside's got a little bit of debris that we can sweep out. It's really just waiting on the ice, right? So let's pick a number. Is it 15 minutes to clean this, each one? 15 minutes. You know, it depends on which closing driver does it. Some of them are slow. Totally get it. We're looking at like 30 minutes to clean the make line out. What else is holding you up from closing that you're, you're worried about closing? Well, I mean, the, the cleaning the whole store. I mean, it's a big store. It's got to be cleaned and it takes a long time, dude. It does. It, 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 takes, it also takes many hands. So let's look at the folks we've got. We still have an insider. We have two closing drivers and many hands make light work. So let's, let's look at an enormously hard. I know the, the folks that have made it this far in this role player, like, oh my God, you're doing four orders an hour and you have four people on the clock. Yeah. I just made that up. Shut up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> sassy drew, which is much worse than smooth jazz drew. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm doing a role play here that, that you love. We can jump out of the role play and just get to some solutions if you like. I got no problem with that. Were you ever a Woody Woodpecker cartoon fan? Oh, gosh. I mean, how could you not be at my age? There was one where it had like the settings, the old West or something. And like, like Woody comes across like a bunch of money. And every time this narrator dude would step onto the screen and go, if Woody had just gone to the police, none of this would have happened. And like, everything is bad. Everything is always bad. That's kind of the way I feel with this scenario, where if we had just trained our team member, none of this would have happened. Well, I mean, there is that, right? And training is not the root cause of everything. Sometimes it's selection. Sometimes it's, it's lack of follow-up or lack of accountability. It's not always training. But in this exact scenario, it is either training or accountability. And it's not on the person I'm talking to, which is why I'm having such a hard time with this. Because in this scenario, if it were Drew, I would do exactly what I was doing here. We'd reset the store. I'd probably stay all the way through close. And then I'd be in the store the next day, five minutes before the manager showed up. That's honestly where I wanted you to go. Because if the person in the store, and in this particular example, the person I was talking to actually said these words. I felt like I was set up for failure. And we wonder why we have 200% turnover. I think what's important for us to, to understand as leaders is that because we're human, our brains are hardwired to see what's wrong and fix it. What we're going through in this particular scenario is you go in and you see things wrong and you want to put a Band-Aid on the symptom. And if you don't find the root cause, you're just opening the wound larger and the person's not getting the skills and knowledge they need to do the job correctly so there can be no closing of the performance gap there can be no change in behavior because you haven't even figured out yet what the behavior is that they need to change if you follow the five steps to ojt we didn't create a positive atmosphere with their initial training we didn't preview the task we didn't demonstrate we just threw them right into practice and if I don't know what the end goal is, then I'm going to make stuff up that seems like it makes sense. And, and Sam, I've, I've been there. I was in a store at, at 6.15 at night, 6.15 at night. And one of the CSRs walked up to the manager and said, so do you want me to, to switch out to the, to the closing pans? <laughs> because the, and the insider said it was, I have 10 seconds. They're going to ask me to do this five hours later. I don't know why I have to do it. So can I just do it now? And it makes sense if, if 
if you're not trained in context, if you're not trained in the why, if you're not trained in that, the things that are asked to be done, like, oh my God, the stores that would prep hands and twists and bites for the entire day at 930 in the morning drive me nuts. But they're doing what they perceive as correct because they haven't been given any clear direction. They've been told you need to have this done by now. I have time right now. Even if it's eight hours early, it doesn't matter. So, you, you know, I'm a big fan of the standards. I've heard that. You know, there's a chance that when I see things on the general manager's best practices page that I will say, check the standards, check the standards, check the standards, and let's see what's going on. Yeah, I've, I've seen you do that a couple of times. So I'd, I'd like to read you a passage from one of my favorite documents when it comes to the subject that we're talking about here just so that there's clarity for our listeners what the standard is when it comes to closing. You seem to have a burr about this, but continue. I, I do. So this is in uh, the operating standards, and I don't think that this is going to uh, do anything to hurt the confidentiality of the brand. So I'm just going to read this one particular passage word for word from the standards. And this is, under store closing, and it says, A, customer orders must be taken through the close of store. The make line must be stocked and operational until the close of the store. At the end of each day, the store must be in a ready-to-open status, with the exception of food products, for the following day. So for those of you that would like the layman's understanding of what I just read, that means that your store make line has to be operational until the end of business. It needs to be, the food needs to be in the make line rail and ready to go. Those are the standards. Those aren't Sam's rules. Those aren't Drew's rules. And unless you walk outside the store and you look at the sign and it says Bob's Pizza, then you have to follow the rules that Domino's Pizza has put in place. So. Let's get to some gaps here. General knowledge of the standards. If you're a store manager and you haven't opened up the standards in a while, you don't know where the standards are. You don't know how to find them. You should probably do so today. It's accessible to you. Contact your supervisor if you don't know where it is. If you're an assistant manager. And by the way, this isn't just for the brand that Sam and I normally talk about. This is for every single brand. My wife runs into this at her retail where where she gets an art, she had an argument with her supervisor over putting product somewhere. And Jody's like, I know it's against standards to put it here, but in the update, they said it needs to go here for the next two weeks. And sure enough, there was an addendum to the standards to move product to a spot for two weeks. And that happens. So as a leader in your store, be familiar with your standards, have them accessible to you. It's usually a PDF document, just save it to your phone. Oh my God, search a PDF on your phone takes four seconds and you can find every answer you need to because if you're following the standard, Sam, have I ever told you about the, um, the first winter my family was here in Michigan from North Carolina? No, but I am on pins and needles. So, so this, this applies to the conversation. So it's the, it's the last Friday before winter break and the fabulous Dexter Community School System cancels school because it is... Uh, with the wind chill, 48 below zero. No, sorry, 28, 28 below zero, 28 below zero with the wind chill. My wife at 
my wife goes, oh, my God, where have you brought me to this frozen hellscape? And I said, no, it's so much worse than that. And she's like, how could it be worse than that? I'm like, because if this was the first time it ever happened, they wouldn't have a policy for it. They have a policy for when to cancel school when it gets cold because this happens often. Policies and standards are written because something has happened in the past that has caused someone to go, we should never let that happen again. And if you follow what Sam was saying about closing, the standard is so that customers can be serviced through closing and that your opener isn't running around doing dishes and staying the store up for an hour before open. So part of the shift cycle when I teach it, when I do my better shifts today classes, that the shift you're running right now isn't actually, you're not actually attempting to run the best possible shift you can right now, Sam. Okay, tell me more. You're actually setting up the next shift to run the best possible shift they can. Oh, I like that. And if I do everything I can to make sure the next shift is the best possible shift it can be and service my customers during my shift, there is almost no way my shift can fail. But if all I worry about is my shift, the next shift has a great chance to fail. They won't have enough product. They won't have enough staff. They won't have whatever. That's the way I teach that shift cycle is that you have to service the customers. You have to take care of your team. And you have to be the best you right now so that the next shift has the chance to be the best they them they can be. And if you start to think about that, then the standards make perfect sense for the way they're written because the standards are there because somebody did something really dumb years ago and you don't have to relive that. Just do this instead. The standards are the best documented, full-fledged expectations that we've got available to us. If we want to maintain brand consistency, if we want to allow the franchisee to remain a franchisee because they are bound to those standards. Now, now a lot of standards, Sam, are a lot like speed limits. You know what the speed limit is and you make the conscious decision at that moment that it doesn't really count for you because no one is looking. <laughs> Everybody else is going 80 and a 65. It's okay to go 80 and a 65. Until you're in like Virginia where they're standing on the bridge and they're gunning everybody and they just pull the whole highway over. Have you seen one of those? I have starred in that movie. And I'll just be honest. I haven't had a speeding ticket in 27 years. Ooh, do not drive today, buddy. Just, just don't do it's it. Fine. You've, no, it's fine. You've you put Karma, the jinx on. No, superstitions and jinxes only apply to sports. They don't apply to, to regular <laughs> life. Says a Jets fan. Exactly. because. Jets are going to jet. Remember, I think on this podcast, I called the Aaron Rodgers injury. I am, I don't know if Lucas went back and looked, but I, I think I called that. Because Jets are going to jet. Jets are going to jet. Uh, I would love to take credit for it. My wife phrased that and, and it's the best phrase ever. But your standards, your standards are a measure of your integrity. If you decide that you don't have to follow the standards today because nobody is looking, that's a measure of your integrity. Or you could just follow the standards. Because you are looking and your team is looking and your customers know when you're not. You want to talk root causes. You could get all the way down to that, that this is a matter of integrity and that the manager showed a lack of integrity. And I, I can tell you, Sam, that in my, in my time, that was always my red line. Like as soon as I can't trust you to do the job, I can't trust you. And now I don't know why you're on my team. And I, I actively work to get you off my team. Because if I can't trust you, I can't ask you to do anything. I can't 
expect you to follow up and do what you're saying you will do because I can't trust you. And now I've had to add all this extra work to me, which seems ridiculous. So a brief, small moment into Drew's head of they're not a speed limit that you can just disobey. Folks are watching. Follow your standards. Teach your team what the standards are. It's okay to have mountain available. It's okay for a driver to be able to look up a standard. Boy, I would say not only is it okay, it's necessary. Completely is. But but first we got to get to a place where managers look it up. And and to your point, like like that Facebook group is one of the most active places for engaged people. They have questions and their first question shouldn't be, I'm going to go post this on social media. Their first question should be, can I find it in the standards? I cannot, or it's unclear. Now I'm going to post it. I don't understand what this means. I'm going to challenge you on that just a little bit. Um, I think that people that are posting those questions on social media are from, have a, that's how they acquire information. I think that's how the younger generation is acquiring information. So for me, hear me out. I, I'm fine with where you go to ask, ask the questions. I really am. I, I would be in your camp. I would rather have you do it inside your four walls and have somebody have shown you where the source of information is. My challenge with Facebook is the people that post answers. I am good with the questions. Ask the questions anywhere you like. Just be cautious of where you're getting the answers. And for those of you posting answers, unless you've read the standards, unless you know them, stop posting answers that are just wrong. And I think I know where you're going and I understand that. It's gap analysis, right? They're posting a question because because they don't know that the answer exists somewhere other than where they post that question. I'm not knocking the fact that they're posting a question. I'm saying that them posting the question tells me that their leader didn't do a good job. I'm yes, I agree with that a hundred percent. Secondarily, the answers, the answers to the questions should always just be check the standard. Yes. <laughs> or they should be a verbatim answer from the standards. You know what? I, I don't like that either though, because that gets to the same, you got to teach them how to fish, right? If, if I'm going to be, there's a question the other day about, um, smart forecast and I totally wanted to answer it. I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not going to answer it. I know what the answer is. And, and it's irrelevant that I know what the answer is. And let me throw this out just uh, food for thought, or maybe we'll tease episode 120 and we'll throw this out. We're approaching the, the time that we'd like. Here's what I'm going to throw out as a possible topic for uh, your episode, episode 120. Let's throw out um, where do you go for information if you've not been given it? Not all of our leaders are doing the best possible job they could of giving folks answers. We can get into a let, let's tease that for the next one, because that's a whole conversation. And we're going to we're going to go another 68 minutes just on that. I have I have things. All right, gang. So here's here's what we got at the epi- end of episode 119. We started with a just phenomenal role play played by award winning actors, Sam and Drew. Could you tell how much pain I was in in that role play? I was just I really in could. so much pain. I really could. Even so though you're pain. sitting in a beautiful coffee shop with some fine bottled water above your head. But continue on. I think what we've got is when you see gaps in performance, gang, make sure you're asking enough questions to get to the root cause of the gap. Simply fixing the problem that you see is not going to put you in a position where that problem doesn't rear its ugly head again. It's much like in Michigan when you mow a dandelion. Tomorrow you've got seven. You've got to make sure that you get these 
these issues at the root cause. And the easiest way to do that is to engage the person that's having the gap in performance in a conversation and find out why that gap in performance is happening. And for those of you that are saying that I already had that conversation once and we have to have it over and over and over again, then have it over and over and over again. I mean, unless you've got a tree where you can go out and pick assistant managers off when you need them, which none of us do, then your job as a leader is to develop the next batch of leaders. That's what you've signed up for. Yes, you got to run food, you got to run labor, you got to run sales, you got to make the place profitable. But your primary goal to get all those things done is to develop people. Hey, you've been listening to episode 119 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. Like us, follow us. Uh, still yet to see an airplane flying over the big house with the QR code on it. So somebody get on that. And uh, as always, I'm Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Thanks for listening. Uh, go out, sell more pizza. And have more fun. That's all, folks.